You're listening to the Opening Statements Podcast, brought to you by HyperChat Social, the podcast bringing you real lawyers and their real stories. I'm Laura. I'm Rebecca. I'm producer Evan. And this week, our guest is Brandon Smith. He is the founder of Brandon Smith Law, a wrongful death and personal injury attorney. Brandon has been recognized as a super lawyer rising star from 2020 on the 2015 Claude Scarborough Pro Bono Attorney of the Year and South Carolina Young Lawyers Division Star of the Quarter in 2014 and 15. And he was also the chair for the GTLA's leadership program. Yeah. And today, his most prestigious honor, he joins the Opening Statements podcast. Court is now in session. Welcome. It is my honor. Thank you so (laughs) much. We're pleased to have you. We'll just get right into it with the question of the day. Why do you do what you do? I love what I do. Um, the why behind what we do is to really, at its core, make a right out of a wrong for people that have suffered a horrible event, traumatic event in their lives, and to walk them through that process. And so that's why I get up every day in the morning is to help make people's lives better. And it's much, much bigger than just getting folks money, which we do that yeah. through the litigation process. Mm-hmm. But it's more about a transformational yeah. thing as opposed to just transactional thing and helping folks get what they need and, and how they need it and get through the process the best way that they can. So it's a blessing for me because I love seeing folks that recover and, and recover well, uh, they make their lives better, yeah. you know, and, and it makes the state better. It makes my community better. And mm. that's why I, I get up and in, in the morning and, and why we do what we do. Yeah. It's part of it. If, um, did you always want to be a lawyer? I did not. No, no, no I did not. So I was, um, I was recruited to play college tennis. I went to to okay. Wofford College in South Carolina. I'm from Georgia, so I had no connection with the state. Okay. Yeah, of South Carolina, but I went there. Absolutely loved it. I ended up majoring in psychology and government. And at in my senior year, I picked up the government major and really, really enjoyed it. And that led me to to, to actually teach twelfth grade government at a oh. school here in Atlanta, a Wesleyan really? school, okay, which was phenomenal. Loved it. Taught twelfth grade government, coached a bunch of sports, and then I went back to my alma mater at Wofford mm-hmm. and worked there for a couple of years. And then in that time. Uh, my wife was actually my wife. She was like, "Have you ever thought about being a lawyer? You would be an amazing lawyer." And I was like, "You're just saying that." I was like, "Were you guys arguing about something?" No, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what was this like progression of that? Yeah, <laughs> not at that time. I'm, I'm not. You know, no, I don't. It was no argument. She just said, "I think you're gifted with that, and you should really think about it." So we thought about it and just took the next steps and you know prayed through it and took you know tests and applied and yeah. all those things and it and it turned out well. So. It was it was more of a, an evolving thing of learning mm-hmm. myself, learning my gifts, and understanding you know how I could meet the needs of others and, yeah. and use that profession as a platform for that. So that's yeah. really cool. cool. So yeah. if we weren't doing law, either pro tennis or teaching twelfth grade, I would do something in sports. No <laughs> yeah, doubt, yeah, would be no, sports, yeah. either front office stuff or just you know a broader in professional sports or college sports. I love sports and I do coach a ton. So yeah. I've got four kids, none of whom Oof. played tennis yet, and so I'm like, guys, we got to get a racket. We got to get a racket. But they're yeah. very, very accomplished in in baseball and basketball. Yeah, oh, that's cool. And I've got I've got to coach them since they were all really little. Aww. you know, in baseball and basketball. Which How old is are your kids? Phenomenal. So we I've got fifteen. Okay. Oh. Twelve, ten, and eight. Uh, that's not like a good Those range. Are good you know, it's oh. like, yeah. yeah, that's great. It works. Two yeah. girls and two boys. Yeah, oh, we have fun. They kind of take care lucky of each duck. other right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. What yeah. was your progression to having your own firm? So I started with a a national firm, mm-hmm. thousand lawyers 
incredible corporate firm. I mean, just incredible firm. Uh, Had a ton of training with them and just great relationships. Um, and had a lot of great experiences with there. Yeah. I got to try a lot of cases and, and work on very important matters with them. Um, they were on the defense side. So they were representing corporations, companies that, you know, were often being sued, you know, sued yeah. in litigation. And so mm-hmm. my heart really developed for the plaintiff side during that time. So the folks that had been wronged and mm-hmm. the folks that had suffered some kind of traumatic event in their lives, because I really saw the real pain that they had yeah. endured even as a defense lawyer. So Um, I left that firm and and came to a firm in Buckhead, had a great experience there, got to try some cases as well there, which was phenomenal. Um, But it really had ambitions to start my own firm and really establish my own practice and and culture and people and develop that. And so, again, it was one of those things that took some time to really Mm -hmm. discover and uncover. But at the end, I knew that's really where I wanted to be. And I was thankful just to have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. What does that process look like from the time you say, okay, I do want to do something on my own? Like, what do you have to have in place? Like, surely you don't just be like, see you guys, I quit. You just go I'm to GoDaddy go to, and you yeah, buy, buy your you domain, know, such and such law.com and go. What does that process <laughs> look like? Well, all of this is about relationships. Like, everything yeah. we do in life is about relationships and having valuable relationships that help us be better people and also help us in business. And so, it was really about relationships and having a great, you know, system and basis of, of trust and, and those relationships that it propelled me to have the ability to do what we do and so and having my own firm. So that takes time, right? And you've got to develop a long record of trust and reliability and dependability and integrity and uh, communication over and over again. And so that really was a great runway for me to be able to have my own practice, which is, which has really been a blessing. So very yeah. thankful for that. That's yeah. awesome. And I feel like that's a, a similar path that we've, when we've talked to other attorneys I've taken, they usually will, you know, come out of law school, you know, work at a larger firm, pick up some experience. Is that something that you would recommend for a lot of attorneys to try out and kind of follow that same path? I think it depends on every lawyer um, yeah. that has that, you know, has different opportunities. They may or may not have a big firm experience opportunity and just have to start their own shop. And it, there's a ton of – some days I wish that I would have done that, right? Oh, yeah. But But at the same time, um, it just depends on what your path is and really what you've got in front of you and what your options are and then hustling like crazy. You know, I always say that you are the CEO of your own career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the sense that you have the ability to work hard and hustle and, you know, do great work. Yeah. So whether it's at a big national firm or whether it's starting your own firm or a mid-sized firm, I think it's you're looking at what are you dynamically, you're having to look at what are the skills that I need to get? What are my gifts and what kind of environment would I thrive and would I help other people thrive in? And some of that is organic. Yeah. And, and some of that just takes time to figure out. Yeah which is important for every lawyer to figure out where they're gifted. Because what you don't want to do is practice in, you know, a certain area and then, I mean, time flies. Yeah. Right? And you wake up 20 years, 30 years in the profession and you're like, I, I do not feel called to this. Right? I do not mm-hmm. feel blessed to be doing what mm-hmm. I'm doing. Yeah. And so the quicker that you can get there in a way that's, you know, profitable for yourself, for other people, for the clients that you serve – the better because that's going to that's going to give you more job satisfaction and joy just in what you do right very so. true yeah what made you pursue the wrongful death side of things um like what took you there so the the loss of life is like the penultimate you know experience mm-hmm. human experience is when mm-hmm. we lose somebody that we love yeah 
And so that's a defining moment for many people, yep. whether it's a loved one or if it's a best friend or if it's someone within your network that you know, because it reminds us of our own mortality, that we've only been given a certain number of days to live on this earth and to, to walk and to, you know, understand and have relationships. And so that's a very meaningful experience. And it's, it's that loss comes at a time where people really need direction yeah. Yeah. and really need an understanding of, all right, what's the path going forward? And so we, we latched on to helping folks through wrongful death cases is because they need to know a process. Like, what do I do? What do I do best? Like, mm-hmm. what, are, what do I do next? What are my best options? What yeah. are the things that I need to get to, you know, to, to get through the finish line and to get through this grieving process. And so what our firm does is we try to shoulder all the extra things. So sure. when somebody loses someone that they can grieve, they can heal, they can get better. And we're doing all the legal stuff. We're doing all the things that are behind, you know, the case to work up a case, to prove a case, to show the damages. But the wrongful death piece of things, it's, it's incredibly emotional, yeah. um, but it's also incredibly valuable because you can't replace a life. Mm-hmm. And anytime we're talking about settling a case or trying a case, there's no amount that you could ever put on somebody's life relative to what they experienced and relative to who they were because that's what we have, right? Yeah. Um, one of my favorite, just to go uh, biblical on you guys, is is uh, is a psalm that says, teach us to number our days. Mm-hmm. So we can have a heart of wisdom, like teach us to understand how many days we have to walk on this earth mm-hmm. so we can maximize that. Yeah. And so we can live out our potential so we can live out what we're called to do. And when that gets taken away from somebody, especially when so- at the negligence of somebody else, that's a huge tragedy. And so we try to step into those folks shoes and just be the voice when they no longer have a voice anymore because they passed. Yeah. So that's incredibly for us just a valuable experience mm-hmm. and a valuable opportunity to really tell the story of somebody. Cause we all, we're all walking around with stories. Yeah. You know, we all have a story. And so to get, be able to get to tell that story and what that is brings a ton of meaning, not only to us, but really to the families we get to serve. Yeah. I would imagine too, in a wrongful, especially in a wrongful death situation, you build up relationships, you know, in, in deep relationships with your clients as well. So is that also something that kind of drives you to do it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and our folks, they know that they've got somebody in their corner forever. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's the thing when we enter into a relationship, not only do we want to leave somebody better than we found them. Mm-hmm. And then when they first came to our firm, but we want them to know that you've got somebody in your corner for life. I always say, I hope you never need me after yeah. this. Yeah. I hope you never call me again. And I would be okay with that. Um, if you never need my services, that would be just fine. But if you do, I'm here for you. Yeah. And yeah. that also gives folks a sense of peace because they I know think. they've got a lawyer for life. they got yeah. somebody with them. It's one less thing they have to worry about should something terrible happen. No doubt. For a second time. Is there no doubt. anything you do, you know, intentionally with the client? Because obviously when they come to you, you don't know them, but they're coming to you with some of the worst times of their life. Is there anything you do to help bridge that gap a little bit? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's no substitute for time and there's mm-hmm. no substitute for transparency and just learning somebody's story and, and understanding, you know, who they are and yeah. and having a better, you know, a deeper knowledge for what makes them tick. Like mm-hmm. you, you guys are asking me what makes me tick. I mean, asking somebody what, why do you get up in the morning or what brings you meaning really helps bridge the gap into any relationship, much less, you know, our clients' relationships. And so we like to get into that. And I'm already thinking when a, when a new case comes into the firm about closing arguments, I'm already thinking about what are, what story am I going to tell on behalf of this client? Like how yeah. am I going to best represent them and give life to, 
you know, be the voice for them and, and give life to their story. Yeah. And so that does that does happen in the initial stages, but it also happens throughout the case. And I'll never I'll have many conversations with clients where it's like, you never told me that you loved to jet ski or, you know, that your husband that you lost was an incredible, you know, hunter or something like that. Like yeah. I get to learn those things about people, mm-hmm. which is a part of our job and, and being able to tell their story. So I love that aspect of it. I yeah. love that. Yeah. What was your first case like? My first case ever as a lawyer? Yes. Uh, so I'll hearken back to my – let me hearken back to a case where I represented a man that gave me the desire to be a plaintiff's lawyer. Okay. Okay, so I was in a, in a big firm. In, in a big firm, usually as a young associate, you're assigned two cases or multiple cases okay. to do a, a certain piece of that case. Okay. But the first time I was assigned by a federal judge to – as I was I was working for that defense firm, but it was a pro bono case, meaning no charge for our services. We're just going to represent this man, give him a voice, and and see you know what kind of case he's got. So it was actually a prisoner that had been detained uh, wrongfully for many many months in a holding cell that was reserved for like the worst offenders, and effectively he was more or less forgotten about. Okay, and so he was kept for extensive amount of time and a you know in harsh conditions. And so I was handed that case. It was a civil rights action. And so I was able to represent him in federal court against, you know, the prison. And so going down to the, the jail, meeting with him and, you know, private uh, meeting rooms and getting to know him and his story was, as a young lawyer, one of the very first cases that I'd handled as a plaintiff's lawyer, yeah. even though I was within a defense firm. And we ultimately got him a great result. It blessed him, his his daughter, and and those that you know were in his life, and so that was a moment for me where I thought, okay, I can do this, and not only can I do it, but I feel called to it, mm-hmm. and I feel like the the blessing that comes from being able to help somebody and just to see their eyes when the the resolution happens, whether they well up with tears or they have you know immense joy, is so satisfying. Yeah, because you get somebody to a finish line who knows that they've been wronged, and you're able to help right the wrong, like we vindicate them. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, that's powerful. Um, So I know you worked to create the first um, homeless court in South Carolina. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely, and Atlanta is actually doing some great things in this space right now, which is exciting. Are you Um, involved in those things? So a little bit, I consulted a little bit, kind of on the in the early stages of that in Atlanta. Um, and, and frankly, there was just crossover interest and passion, um, for me, obviously haven't done it in South Carolina, but one of the great blessings of working with the firm that I, the defense firm that I worked with in South Carolina was kind of having a platform to work with other state leaders and having the opportunity to get into these places and, and make some, some things happen relative to homeless court. So homeless court is an alternative court system okay. where folks have suffered some kind of citation that are, they're homeless okay. and they, they, either get picked up or a warrant goes out and they are jailed and then they continue to go through the system because they can never really have true form of recovery. They can't pay a citation because they don't have a job or, you know, because they're homeless. And so we worked with state leaders in South Carolina to really look at a system and other states have done an incredible job in doing this, but to look at a system for which we can specifically tailor some kind of a program for folks that are experiencing homelessness and have a methodology where in lieu of paying a fine, you can do things like job training or go into mm-hmm. a specific kind of social class or you can go into, a, a, you know, some kind of way to make yourself and your life better. And it's a 10-week, 12-week, 
or whatever the tailored judgment is for yeah. them, that their specific circumstances, they make it through, the fines are discharged, and they can they can continue to go about and move on. And it is a phenomenal program. And Atlanta's doing a great job with that. Um, Judge Porter's uh, is doing that right now in, in yeah. Atlanta Municipal Court. But it's it's been a phenomenal thing just with um, just with that you know segment who of, of folks that are experiencing those conditions and really writing that you know and, and helping yeah. them in, mm-hmm. in in that space. So yeah, it's been good giving them some hope. What do you have any um, anything to do with that now that you're here and not in South Carolina? So I'll, I'll like what, what I did with Atlanta, like I'll, in, in Atlanta, like mm-hmm. I'll meet and consult. And I really had the privilege of, of preparing a program, kind of a playbook for, all right, what do you do yeah. in a given jurisdiction mm-hmm. and how do you do it? it? Because you're working with the, the prosecution, you're working with the defense lawyers that are representing folks that are experiencing these things. And so um, I, I keep tabs on them in South Carolina. Like we started it in Columbia, South Carolina. That okay. was the first one in South Carolina. Um, and then it spread to, to Charleston and it spread to um, some other you know venues in, in South Carolina. And I've kept tabs. My mentor, who really led the charge there, um, is still doing it. And he and I keep in touch. Uh, it's a man named George Coffin, incredible, phenomenal human. And just have loved keeping in touch with him and hearing how it's spreading there. So absolutely, I keep tabs on it. And a couple of years ago, and I'll just let you guys in on this, is that I was awarded top just top <laughs> secrets. I was awarded by the mayor of Brandon Smith Day in Columbia, South Carolina, what? What? in Dece- in December. So if Coming every up. if you ever we're all in you know if we're ever in Columbia in December on Brandon Smith Day, you know. I guess drinks are on me, or you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think I your your drinks are free. Yeah, I don't even. Remember. I think it's like the six or seven. Yeah, the six. Right. What do we do on Brandon Smith Day? How do we celebrate? I, I mean, how, we got to get shirts made or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, really. Yeah. That's I'm just kidding. Really no, cool. I say that humbly, just because yeah. it wasn't just me. It was many people that were around, you know, us and and helping us bring that forward. But that's just a fun. Fun fact. fact about you. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 December 6th off. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's my Who's day. Holidays? Like, I'll what holiday is it? It's I'll my, have to ask my, my boss, holiday. I guess, for that. <laughs> yeah. no. um, you serve as an elder at um, Perimeter Church. Yeah. What are there, if any, similarities between being an elder and what you do in law? I love that question. So love Perimeter Church. It's a valuable part of just our family dynamic and our, our community dynamic. Yeah. It's a great place. It's mm-hmm. a great place. So they're they're concerned with really many of the issues that face um, all of population and social justice and issues that you know concern the people that are very own community and serving them and loving them and telling them the truth and you know helping them through the process. So um, as a as a, an elder or in leadership there, I get the opportunity to you know help those folks and help right. them through the process of, of what they're experiencing. So similar to what I do. Yeah. Like, because really what I do, like, I feel like it's almost kind of quasi ministry in a sense, because sure. at the end of the day, like we're entering into people's lives and hardships mm-hmm. and helping them bring them through that process to a, to a destination. Yeah. Right. Same and so, thing, yeah. and, and just giving truth along the way and love and compassion and help. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's, you know, it's fierce and you got to be bold with those things, both in, you know, in perimeter church and bo- and also in the profession of law, practicing law. But I love it and I feel equipped to do it. And yeah. and that's been a great compliment to what I've, I've been able to do and to the folks that we get to help. Because at the core of what we do is service. Mm-hmm. That's it. We're, we're loving on people and we're helping them. And I always say, you you know, 
it's people, process, and a product. Those are the things. Like we're, we're entering into people's lives. We're taking them through a process to a, a goal or a product of what the destination is. And that's really the, the purview through which I, I handle my business and also that I get to handle just other relationships is where are we going? What are we doing? What's the objective? Mm-hmm. And how do we get there? Yep. You know, and that's really the mission in both venues, you know, both with Perimeter and, you know, Brandon Smith all. So. That was like a beautiful answer. I, know, I saw right? the question. I was like, I'm really interested in where this will will go. Yeah. You know, but that was perfect. Well, yeah. we're all, everybody's, was, everybody's hurting. Everybody's bringing around. Mm-hmm. Everybody's yeah. got something, mm-hmm. right? And we all do. And if we say we don't, we're pretending. And, you know, it's everybody's got something. And so yeah. um, having the opportunity to enter into that, whether it's through the legal profession or, you know, in, in through perimeter, is just a blessing for me. Yeah. And I usually get more blessed than the people that I help, you know, as far as that goes. So I'm very thankful for that. Love it. Um, obviously, you can't be an experienced lawyer without picking up a few interesting cases along the way. And here at our podcast, we want to break those cases wide open. Yeah, that's right. So let's get right into it. What would you say has been the most interesting case or cases that you've worked on? Today? So one of my all-time favorite cases was with I tried with um, a dear friend of mine, a guy named Scott Campbell, and this was before I started Brandon Smith Law, and it was a case in Fulton County, Georgia, and it involved a commercial motor vehicle that had uh, made a head-on collision with our client. She required sur- a couple surgeries and just had a horrible uh, course of treatment. Ultimately got better, which was thank- we were very thankful for, uh, but had a ton of medical bills. And the circumstances of the wreck were two-lane highway and cars coming opposite from each other, and the offending vehicle... Um, in front of the offending vehicle was another vehicle that was stopped, okay? Uh. And the purported reason that they were stopped was there was a deer. I don't know if you all know this. There are deer in Atlanta, and they abound, and especially with all the development, especially yeah. in mm-hmm. the suburban Atlanta. <clears throat> yeah. Um, there are a lot of deer. However, we had shown that the deer had ultimately made its way and, uh, across the road, and there was real no ri- there was no real risk. So um, we actually had an, uh, a jury trial that lasted about a week over this issue of, you know, did the deer cause the wreck? Was it the deer that caused oh. the wreck? Because the defense, their position was it wasn't us, it wasn't our bad, it was the deer. All right, we're, we're blaming an inanimate object. So ultimately, you know, in, in trying to avoid the, the deer, the offending vehicle went around the vehicle that was in front of him and went into the opposing lane, the, the oncoming traffic, and hit our lady head on. Oh. Isn't that, though, like the the desi no, like, no-no, like you don't ever swerve into the, on, like if you have to swerve, if you're going to like rear in somebody, you go to like the shoulders. Right, in the heat of the moment, I definitely like, don't remember that. I mean. I feel like yeah. that's like like yeah. the obvious. Like, right. I would rather I mean, like. I also right. see a stopped car and maybe I stop. stop. Yeah. Maybe you're going too fast. Maybe but, you slow down. And that's, maybe maybe like, that's happened, but you'd go into the like. The shoulder, the sidewalk, the what? Like, don't you don't like go into oncoming traffic. Coming? I would still never no, go no. into oncoming I'm traffic. Sure I, in the heat of the moment, I probably would. Because I think that's also but... like the rule too. Like if you see an animal, you don't swerve, you break, but you don't ever swerve. That's right. Thank you. And I'll say that loud yeah. for the jury in the back. You've been I want you at? on my juries. Let me just say. But I, I feel like that is like. <laughs> So, like, does, did also, nobody read their like driver's manual? That's like, in the driver's I'm pretty manual? confident it is. Yeah. It's just like with the motorcycle manual, like you know to like not drive down the center of the road because that's where the Everybody oil slick and drip does. is. 
Not I'm motorcycles. No, look, they'll drive and they drive on like the usually the driver's side or if like you're coming to stop, you get on the passenger side so they can see you. Oh. You don't drive in the middle because it's too slick from all the oil dripping. Yeah, you'll notice. The, the oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. I thought you were talking about like something different. Oh, few. like when they go through everybody. Yeah, like weaving uh, through everything. Okay, so. We'll get a future expert witness. <laughs> yes, right. Left, like, I'll slice yes. my yes. Yeah. yeah, if you have questions yeah. about what's in the driver's ed handbook. She should I mean, I'm also that – I read it. I'm also the person who, like, to become ago. a notary, I thought I had to take, like, that notary course. So, like, I read all the – I took a course. I was like, I didn't know. I just had to pay $35 and, Phenomenal. you know, yeah. say a little right. thing. But I was like, I am – You're extra official I'm is what you are. I'm extra official. Yeah. Yeah. I have, like, a no, little no. book for the things I notarize. Yeah. Uh-huh. Get me. <laughs> <laughs> well, the jury the, ultimately in that case, the jury agreed with you in that you can't swerve. And I even in cross examining the the driver that struck our client said, "Hey, we all get folks that make mistakes, but at least before you know God and man and these fine twelve people that are have spent their week with us, will you just say that you own some portion of?" Responsibility for mm-hmm. this wouldn't do it. No, wouldn't do it. And the jury ultimately, I think, got upset with that answer and and awarded our client five million dollars, oh, which wow. was amazing. And so she, you know, which was a, a great result. But I think it really was, and it taught me a ton of lessons just about humanity and also just about responsibility and making sure that you know, if given the opportunity and responsibility, let's do it. And mm-hmm. and being truthful and transparent relative to those things is yeah. important. You know, mm-hmm. it's really important. So that was a great case. I mean, there's seven behind that, but yeah. that are like that, that are just fun and, and different. But it, that, that was a great case and a great result. Why do you think that one stands out to you? I think that was a case where the, the, the responsibility was so contested that mm-hmm. it, it really made, it, made us scratch our heads a little bit. Like, why is this being contested like it is? And I used in closing argument, I used the example of, you know, at the time I had a, a 10-year-old and we had a brand new puppy and, you know, we have a big fluffball labradoodle <laughs> and he, we had gotten that infamous call from the teacher that said, hey, your son said that the dog ate his homework last night. <laughs> <laughs> you, as a parent, you're like, I'm never getting that call, you know, like, right. I, but I no, literally like Dennis the Menace cartoons. 100%. Yeah. And so I got, we got that call and I was like, this isn't happening right now. But, you know, and we obviously confronted, we said, hey, like, how'd this happen? And ultimately he had left his homework out on the floor and guess what a puppy's going to do? They're going to find stuff and chew on it. Chew, right. Yeah. And, yeah. and did that. And so effectively, I, in closing, I took that same analogy and just said, hey, like, this is like saying my dog ate my homework. And this is exactly, and I told the story about my son, is this is exactly what they're doing. We're, we're blaming an animal for something that we could have done, you know, could have yeah. done better and, and done differently. Yeah, like you didn't have to leave the homework on the floor. You 100%. know, you didn't have to swerve into oncoming yeah. traffic. That's right. Did the you person know? who had stopped in the road um, have to be in court? Yeah, did like, they have any responsibility? They did not. No, so they I were. I would have blamed the car before they were I blamed stopped. the deer. So yeah, they were stopped, <laughs> and so ultimately they were they were let out of it. They gave some okay. testimony, but All yeah, right, yeah. Old, that's a great question. Yeah, and in, in common, like yeah. where is that guy? And and yeah. so we did we did have to have to address that, but ultimately didn't see yeah. any responsibility there. No. Did they have their hazard lights on? The vehicle in front. Yeah. No, no. Would that make a difference to you, Madam Juror? I don't. I mean, I feel like <laughs> if, if maybe the person behind, like the the person in blame here was driving just didn't notice that they were stopped or i don't know maybe the hazards would have been like yeah was his taillights working i need to stop i don't know right 
I don't know if it would have. Can you do yeah. like a split responsibility? Like in that case, like yeah, if his maybe his tail lights weren't working, or just he should have put his like. Could there have been like a a split? Like where like you're like, hey, you're. 10%. You're a little bit of fault. Yeah, it's called apportionment of fault. Yeah. And I'm totally not going to bore you with the legalese on all of that stuff. But yeah. to answer your question, yes. You can do you that. You can. Yeah. So See, what I would have went like this... way gone after the car. Yeah. Like the deer ain't going to pay anything. What, what, <laughs> did, <laughs> what happened to where they did not try to go after that car? Like how did that just go, what? Which one? The one that was stopped? Yeah. yeah. The stopped vehicle. Well, I mean. Because this is general... on the def- Defense, right. So right. general rule is you can't hit somebody that's in front from behind, right? You can't yeah. hit somebody from behind. So if they're stopped, you should have time to slow down and leave enough space and, and be able to stop and anticipate the actions of others, right? And uh-huh. so we we go through that rigorously, you know, as far as rear-end collisions because those are often really, really bad. Yeah. And, you know, those cases usually aren't as contested or hotly contested relative to I was driving, somebody was in front of me, and I hit them. Because common law and your knowledge in the law says if somebody's in front of you, you need to leave enough space. Yeah, you know, like that, like in the, yeah. in the book, I, I the know that in the like for so yes. many miles yes. per hour that yes. you're traveling. Somebody you needs live. to take their driving test. Clearly, like maybe Don't you, say that I did. No, <laughs> I stressed like over my driving test. I waited. I was like a delayed driver too. I was like, I don't have any. I had need. to retake it when I moved to Kentucky, and then they make you parallel. I feel park. like no offense, but when you move from Kentucky, you should have to retake it. <laughs> <laughs> it just got real. No, man. That's so mean. Um, Anyway, so the car was stopped in the middle of the road, not on the shoulder. Correct. It it was in their lane. lane. Yeah, and that's totally okay to do. Just to stop in the middle of the road. I'm just having deers in front of you. Because again, you don't. They're staring at you. Swerve, you you break. (laughs) So yes, that's what you're you're supposed to to break. You guys are bringing up an amazing point, and that is like there there is real uncertainty with jury trials. Yeah, and there's real uncertainty with what a juror is going to think based on their experience, their driving history, the Mm -hmm. state that they got their driver's test in, Mm -hmm. or didn't get their drive. You know. Yeah. So everybody's got a unique and different perspective, and that really goes to what we try to do is we really try to make the story. Compelling, but also understandable in a way that people say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Or, you know, answer the questions that, I mean, there's infinitesimal amount of questions that somebody's going to have about a certain wreck, right? Mm-hmm. And so we try to keep the main thing the main thing. Yep. But also accommodate the outlier questions that are real because a jerk, you know, sinks their teeth into something and that could sway the opinion. Sure. So that's a that's a huge part of what we do in telling them the story is is trying to accommodate all those different perspectives and, and worldviews, which yes. is hard, which it's is really tough. hard. Yeah. You got 12 people that that's you right. have to yeah. try and do that for. When you're doing like jury selection, do you like custom tailor like did you ever hit a deer? Like do you ask like Really <laughs> semi-specific, but odd questions like that to try to figure out how they may feel about it. No doubt, it. yeah. Not like so where they'd be like, "No, I always book. swerve," and you're like, "Oh, not choosing." You. Some of it's <laughs> going to depend on what the judge allows um, his or her oh. honor, as far as like how extensive the questions are and what the questions are, that kind of thing. But that's a really good process to try to ferret out. All right, are, is there any prior perspective or background that yeah. may influence your decision on this? It's called voir dire, where you get to ask questions, certain questions about you know different perspectives and, yeah. and upbringing and all those things. So that's a big part of what we do. But the judge yeah. has to approve them, so you have to like pre come up with them. And mm-hmm. yeah. oh, so you couldn't just go on a little tangent with a jury and be like, "Oh, really? Tell me more." Tan- <laughs> tangents and three ring circuses are, are usually discouraged in court. Yeah. Try to keep the main thing the main thing. I wouldn't be so. good at that. Oh, I wouldn't be on no, tangents. Like, oh, you bring right. up that. Let's go further. Yeah. We flipped that page yeah. of my manual. There will be some leeway there, but yeah. 
Okay, yeah. gotcha. And so the judge is always there during all of that. Correct. I guess when I watch TV, there too. So absolutely. That's. I just have so many questions about this process. You know. Have you gone through a jury like selection? No one's ever. No, I've never been some. I don't Me know either. And I'm like knock on wood because I feel like I feel like they forgot my name. What do you somewhere. mean knock on wood? I do want to go. To be <laughs> yes, for like, I, like murder. I really oh. do. But I feel like if I say that too loud, I'll get pulled into like DUI. I'll get pulled into like a tax thing or something that like would be like snoozer. Yeah, like a snoozer. And like, no, I want murder. Yeah, it's yeah. A, getting jury duty is like a party. Yeah, you, know, you don't want to go to. You're like, I'd at least appreciate the invite. You know, I don't want to go. But Joe was on. Like, he didn't get selected, but he was in the running for the gentleman. And I probably use that term lightly, but who. When he went into court, he in Atlanta, and he shot oh, yes. and he abducted the the court reporter. I think it was. What's that guy's name? Uh, I have no idea. You know what I'm talking about? Like he I, he I'm went vaguely, bonkers, and he I think he shot people in the courtroom, and then he took a lady hostage to, and she ended up getting getting away. I forget what that guy's name is, but he was in the the running. He got whatever he said something wow. that they didn't like, and they they took him off. You but, would want to be on that jury, is what you're saying? Not that one, because okay. I I don't really want to like lose my die. Mind. Yeah, step before that one. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I want. Yeah. How did that person? I, I could do. I could yeah, go on a tangent a, about that. A murder if there's no children involved or elderly people. Like you just want like or a like jealous American husband greed. who kills his wife or. I want the wife who kills the husband probably more so because I think I would. You know, I love my husband. I would never kill him, but. Brian Nichols, this guy. Brian Nichols. Yes, yeah, that is his name. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, dang, I'm glad you didn't get that, babe, you know? Yeah. <laughs> glad we also got that on the record about your husband. That's important. It is you very know? important. Yeah. If oh, he yeah. listens, he'll know that you love him. I love you. And would never kill him. Um, what's one We way- just signed our will and testament <laughs> two hours ago. So, I mean, it's fresh. kind of up in the air now. <laughs> Could go either way. Was like, complaining of chest pains. He's not feeling well. And I'm like, sign the papers now. Yeah. But, um, what's one way you'd like to see wrongful death law change? You know, um, every year there's something that's up with the legislature and, and there's always, you know, different considerations that are made about, you know, caps on damages or different, you mm-hmm. know, revisions to the law or changes to the law. You know, I, I think Georgia does it really well. I think Georgia's done a great job relative to fairness and relative mm-hmm. to helping folks with that, if, that face wrongful death. So I don't want to say nothing, you know, but at the same time, I think Georgia is a great state. I think it's a very fair state. And the leaders of Georgia do a very fine job, you know, relative to that as far as – and the judges do as well. I mean, they, they really try to get – they try to get the law right, and yeah. they do. And um, I feel very blessed to be able to, to practice in a state that's that way. Right. What is something crazy in another state, like a law that they might have? You know, there are, there are definitely caps on damages in other states, even relative to a wrongful death. And so, um, in other words, the legislature has said – by the, you know by law that mm-hmm. in the event of a wrongful death that life is only worth x Ugh. amount of dollars and right? it won't and take into that like account anything else like if that's right that's right like bezos's life might be worth a little bit more than my life you know that's like, not true laura according to like his wife though and you know like whatever he was bringing like they don't take any of that because i feel like in a wrongful death like you look at a lot of things but basic would be like Income, you know, that the family is no doubt, is yeah, losing, that's yeah. you know. Absolutely. So, I'm like, I feel like there's people who make a lot more money that, yeah, could so that's a that's a, that is a challenge, I think, you know, in other states. But, but you're right, I mean, it's hard to value that. Like, how do you yeah. value that? And, and we do our best to try to do that, you know. Thank for you sure. for saying I was as valuable 
you're more Bezos. valuable to me than Bezos. Did we just have a moment? Y'all did. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. have okay. moments all the time. <laughs> <laughs> We're always, that's why we sit right here next to each other. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> I'm going to clear my throat real quick. <clears throat> Do we need to reset that mic too? I yeah, think, okay. it looks like he's okay. tilting on it. Yeah, it was tilting, and then I I made a little I, adjustment. I saw you catch it, and I was like, okay, yeah. Right. No, we're good. Okay. We're good. Great. All right. Here at the opening statements, we not only value the stories, but uh, we value the lessons as well. We try to foster a good learning environment for all of our loyal fans. That is right. We want to teach people the things that you can't pick up from just reading a book and things you only learn by actually putting it into practice and being a lawyer. Yeah, so what would you say is the most valuable thing that you've learned? Um, and I want to say specifically, most valuable thing you learned being at a big firm first and then follow-up question, you know, actually running your own practice. Absolutely. Um, taking the second part of that, you know, and then going to the first part, um, you know, the in running your own practice, there are tons of things from a business perspective that you don't necessarily think about, you know, as a young, as a young lawyer. Yeah. Everything from taxes to payroll and all of those things. Yeah, like the, the just, fun stuff. That's yeah. the business stuff like <laughs> yeah. you, that you just have to know and understand and study. And I've, I've done that and had to do that, you know, just by virtue of owning an operation. Um, so there are certain lessons that in the event that you open your own firm that you've just got to learn and master. Mm-hmm. Um, as a young lawyer, I wanted to be in an environment where I was going to be with other people that are exceptional at what they do to really sharpen me and what I do in the future. And so a part, a big part of what we do as lawyers is writing, reading, talking, all Mm -hmm. of those things. And so I was in an environment with people that were world-class at at all of those categories and especially with, you know, in trying cases, but also in writing briefs and all of those things. So I wasn't a great writer coming out of law school, but I learned that skill in a way that has made me like an, you know, a much better writer, we'll say. <laughs> May I ask a um, question about the writing? Yes. Because it's just a question that's been on my mind ever since I've read any type of legal document. Why do you guys use words that no one understands? I try to do less and less of that. Okay. So I always try to say thing? things. Yeah, I try to say things um, in a very simple way and not say things that don't really need to be said. Okay. Both, you know, in oration and in written product. So I try not to be duplicative. I try not to say the same things over and over again. You are, you, here you are, though, using oration. Duplicative. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, d- duplicative is not like you know, a million-dollar word here. It's very so, educated. Um, I know what they mean. But why is that? Like, is that just what is taught in law school that you have to throw in the this and the whereas? The majeure, it's very biblical. The majeure. Yeah. I see what I you did there with the Latin. Okay. She's read a lot so. of I, had to, I actually <laughs> specifically had to look up that word. I've, I'm always yeah. at the definitions page of the agreement. Like, what is this one? We sometimes mean? wear a lawyer hat without being official and we just write a contract. I mean, <laughs> so we're, like, we're, we're, it, it all matters, right? <laughs> words, key, the words, locate, yeah, low key probably wouldn't make it into a contract for me, but I, I, I do, I do like, I do use. This Loki, is low key, a pretty cool everyday vernacular. So. <laughs> this is low key, a good deal for you. <laughs> low key, six months, but high key, you could up into eight, twelve months at the end of that. This whole thing looks a little sus. <laughs> <laughs> That's our red lines. Wait, yes, <laughs> section two point five, little sus. We're trying to make it a little bit more twenty twenty two. But is that something you guys get taught when you are at law school? How to write? Like Absolutely, a vocabulary yeah. test. Because Absolutely. I feel like that's not a natural way of writing. It's not. No, there's definitely rigors and and of how you do things and how you should word things. Words matter. They do. And so, and especially whether it's in writing a bill or writing a brief, or right. it all matters. Like the difference between and and or is significant. Yes, huge. And yeah. so 
that's what we, you know, we are trained in that way. But I do think there's a ton of unnecessary waste that just goes into a legal document that just doesn't need to be there. Mm -hmm. And it's frankly, it's confusing. I mean, especially if you think about it from a judge's perspective or like the court's perspective, they're getting hundreds and hundreds of written pleadings over and over and over again, dropped on their desk. And if it's completely wordy and if it's not straight to the point, then it's just another brief or it's just another written document. But if you're advocating for your client, I've always thought that it would be, it's best to say things simpler and effective and I try to do that in an email. I try to do that in a contract. Yeah. I try to do that in, in a brief that I write just because it's it, it matters. You know, you want somebody's attention to be drawn to what you're writing and be effective in doing it. And especially like, you know, when you're writing briefs for the court. Mm-hmm. So and it's a, kind of an appreciation to the court, not a respect just to say, hey, he, we're going to keep the issues, the main issues. And we're not going to you know major on the minors. We're going to major on the majors. Here's what they are. And here's why it matters. And that, I think, is an effective way. And that's really something, back to your question, like that's what I learned when I was a young associate is like how to make this, you know, compelling and how to also make it through written product, how to make it, you know, read well. Yeah. So I'll never forget my first brief that I got back. It had, you know, it had handwritten red all over it. I mean, it looked like somebody had really dropped. I mean, it's horrible. (laughs) And I mean, I I, I took it back to my office. It was like the green mile as I was walking back to my office, (laughs) right? Because I'm just looking at this document that had just been ripped to shreds, but it really made me better. And that's to to get to back to the point, like that's what we need. Like we need to be in an environment where we're sharpened and we're growing or else we're just going to stay in a status quo situation. Mm -hmm. And that environment really made me, especially as as a writer, as a young lawyer, it made me better, more effective that way because it was rigorous. It was tough. And, you know, they they dealt in truth. Like, hey, this is a bad piece of written product. You mm-hmm. can do better. Do yeah. better. And so I just worked my tail off and did better. Yeah. I feel like sometimes it's like a surcharge to use all the fancy words. I'm like, we could have said this in three sentences. Know, did you get charged for paper? <laughs> yeah. For, like, are we, yeah, word? Paying for word, word count? No. I mean, some courts do have a word count. Like, no more than this or, no, you know. Oh, a limit. That's good. That's you know good. that somebody Absolutely. was yeah. like. No more than these many pages, that kind of thing. Just right. like Many pages. Yeah. Oh. I um I hear a lot of our guests on the show talk about how they have a mentor and oh my mentor did this for me. How does one go about finding one? Is it usually someone that you like a family friend? Do they know they're your mentor? Do yeah, they, they have like know an arrangement that with them? <laughs> yeah. You know, or is it just how does that work? It's a contract. You know, you write up a contract with, with a all the words. Yes. yes, absolutely. No, and we, and or <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's getting out there. Well, first of all, it's knowing that you need a mentor, and we yeah. all do. Yes. And if you don't know you need to men- you need a mentor, you're already losing. You know, mm-hmm. because you you think you got it, and you don't. And there's never a point. We always say in our firm, like. There's never an arrival point where we sit down and we exhale and we say, all right, we've arrived. Mm. Where our, our, our kind of our value statement is that we're humble and hungry. You know, we, yeah. we're humble, like we're always learning and, and always um, taking in information and seeing how we can improve. And we're also hungry in the sense that, like, it's not enough. Like, we haven't arrived. We want to do better. We want to accomplish more and, and do things in more, ex- you know, with more excellence. So I think that's step one is just, hey, I need a mentor. And then going to find the mentor is step two, which is kind of more your question. Step, going to find a mentor is can be tough because you want to vibe with somebody. You want to make sure that we have common values and vision. Mm-hmm. And, and and not only that, like that person can help get me to where I want to be to reach my goals right. and speak truth to me and, and tell me the things that I really don't want to hear sometimes, which is super helpful. That's how we grow. So I think getting out there, my advice to a young lawyer is getting out there and meeting other lawyers 
whether it's through, you know, the Georgia Bar, you know, through events that are offered, you know, readily. Um, we're going to be at a conference next week where there's a ton of great lawyers that are mentors that can that just want to invest or can invest, you yeah. know, in, in the next generation. Because that's really what it's about is, is better and better. We're trying to right. make it better and better. And so at every stage you've got – I've always been taught, like, you've got to have somebody that's investing in you as a mentor. You've got to have somebody that you're shoulder to shoulder with, that mm-hmm. you're running with, that makes you better, and that you can run things by. And then you need to yourself, no matter your age or stage – need to be investing in somebody else, mm. right? So it's all three of those and trying to keep that. Now that may change. Like some may be for a season, some may be for a lifetime in that, you know, that formation. But but I, to me, that's been the structure that I've tried to integrate and it's been a blessing and in, in something that I've, I'll carry with me forever. That's you know, good. Do that. yeah. That's good. Did your mentor teach you that? My mentor didn't. Yeah, my mentor did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now that I think about it. So, um. Absolutely. What would you say, because you mentioned at the very beginning of the show where we were talking about how you started your own um, firm, what are the top three skills you think that an attorney should have before venturing off on their own? So the the Gladwell principle, I'll give you three, but I think before I give you the three, you know, the 5,000 hours of Mal- that Malcolm Gladwell says, like, if you're going to be excellent in anything that you do, you got to spend 5,000 hours doing that yeah. thing, right? I think it's, isn't it 10,000 hours? Well, I'll, I'll do – it only took me five. So I'm just kidding. He's smart. So 10,000 hours. Um, I mean, frankly, it could be more, you yeah. know. But but the thing that I love about what he says is it's not only that 10,000 hours in spending that, but it's who you do it with and how you're doing it, mm-hmm. right? So who you – how you spend those 10,000 hours in learning the skills and, and the practice of law in this analogy or the circumstance um, matters as much as who's – right there with you or he's teaching you kind of back to your mentor question. So, um, that's what, that's what I would say. Like before you go venture off and say, I'm going to start a firm, like have you put in really the sweat and the time and the, in, in to the practice to go do it, but also like who have you been doing it with and how have you been doing it? Have you been doing it way of excellence? And, and so that's what my, my general encouragement would be. Specific encouragement is, you know, back to, our people, processes, and product. Like, what's the product that you're offering? Why is that different? Why does that make you? Why does that set you apart? Right? What's that product? And then, who are who are the people? Who are you bringing with you? Mm-hmm. Right? It could be one paralegal, could be a team of paralegals, could be another lawyer, could be a partner. And then, what's the process that you have for you know making your firm great? So you got to have all three: people, product, and, and process. To, to do that. And, and th- those will be my three, you know, in, in making sure that all of those things are in place and making sure that, um, you know, you're investing in those three because you could have great people and no process mm-hmm. and you're lost. You know, mm-hmm. you could have amazing process, but nobody wants to work with you or work for you. And yep. all you got is a process. Mm-hmm. So you need great people. You need great pro- uh, process to have a good product, an excellent product. And that's what we aim to do every day. Um, that's what we try, what we strive to do with my team and, and, and our clients. This episode is brought to you by HyperChat Social, the attorney's social media marketing agency. From branding to lead generation, we have experts specializing in all areas of digital marketing, and we're ready to help you take your practice to the next level. Contact us today at 877-359-3399 or book a free consultation online at tryhyperchat.com. That's T-R-Y-H-Y-P-E-R-C-H-A-T dot com. All right, so we do have one final segment on the show. And it's geared here to put you, our guest, in the hot seat. 
It's called called our closing arguments. That is right. Our closing arguments is a game of plead the fifth, where we ask you three really hard hitting questions, and you can only pass or plead the fifth on one of them. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What is the worst advice your mentor gave you? Did you saying by you saying are you ready? Is that one of the questions that I have to plead the fifth to? You are is such a four? lawyer. Such it's a lawyer. really showing. Yeah. This is this is the type of conversation I feel like where you and your wife were at when she said you should, you be, a should be a lawyer. Yeah, yeah was, something like just that. Just for the record, there was zero argument there. It was just an appreciation. It was mutual encouragement. So, um, but I hear you, and I, I'm not. I know that that's not actually a question. So, what what is your first question? My first question is: What is the worst advice your mentor gave you? Worst advice a mentor gave me. Um, Not a mentor. Your or my mentor. mentor. Yeah, and I've had a couple, I w- I'd, I'll say. So, I mean, we're all imperfect and we all, you know, do our best to, you know, give truth and lead others. I think, you know, one common theme from mentors that I've had is, I would say, is is kind of making their experience your experience mm. as far as what your path is. And what's in front of you. Okay. So in my experience, this is how, you know, my path was to where I am. You know, you should do the same thing. And I think there's some value in that and lessons to be learned. But I don't think it's a one-to-one, you know, my, you know, injecting my experience upon you. Mm-hmm. I think the best mentors that, I ha- that I've had have been able to get to the heart of an issue, whether it was a struggle that I was having or it was a, a concern that I, that I had about the future or an uncertainty that I had about, you know, leadership and in and getting to the heart of what that concern was and then giving truth to address that concern as opposed to just jumping to their experience and say oh well in my experience I did this and that's how you should do it yeah I think there's a I think we miss an opportunity with that as as opposed to actually like getting to the heart of the issue and really addressing what the what the problem is so I've seen I have seen that in, in mentors and I don't fault them for that because we all have stories and we yeah. that's how we reconcile truth a lot of times is, you know. For sure, yeah. What was my experience with that? But that experience isn't always just a one-to-one for, you know, that's your mentee. everyone's experience, right. yeah. yeah. That's right. All right. I'll give him a pass on that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So next question. Earlier in the show, we were talking about really kind of your experience being in a big firm on the defense side and actually getting to see the plaintiff's side is what made you kind of realize you wanted to switch. So was there switch teams, I guess, was there ever a time where you were on the defense and you maybe not didn't try your hardest (laughs) to defend because you really felt for the plaintiff? That's good. (laughs) That's a really good question. Um, But I would say no. And the reason is, I know you want me to say yes. Yes. No one can see my shoulders just sad. (laughs) I know you want me to say yes. But my my goal in every case, and really in everything, is to do my very best and to to put somebody else's interests above my own interests. Mm -hmm. And that really is the the role of what we do, like, is put somebody else's interests in front of your own interests. And so whether I was on the defense side um, or now on the plaintiff side, like that was my ambition. That was all. Are you tearing up? I'm tearing up. Okay. We uh, get it. You're a stand up guy. <laughs> you know, like I just wanted to, I just, I want to do my best. No, well, that was it. Like yeah. I just wanted to advocate for them in a way that was, that was meaningful and yeah. that brought them, you know, some direction. So I know you want me to say yes, but yeah. I can't because I literally, that was my ambition. Like you never you know? were like, I could, you know, I mean, I could keep going harder, but I think I got enough to, to say I did my best. Now, I will say, I, gonna, you know. I will say there were moments 
that I would I would think in some in certain cases like why are we not you know paying max for this person mm, that got yeah. like there were moments where it was like and and part of that was what made me want to be a plaintiff lawyer is like yeah. I'm seeing the real tragedy and I'm seeing the real offense and all those things um, that that happens out there and yeah. it does happen and look there there are many cases where that shouldn't be brought on the plaintiff side. And we say no a lot in our firm to folks, you know, that cases that shouldn't be brought and that's okay. But I think it's a fact finding mission trying to get to the truth of what we got. And then, but no, I mean, there was never a temptation to do it. I mean, I definitely felt like when I was in a a deposition or something, Mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely say there would be moments where I'd be like, I I feel what you're experiencing right right now. And it is horrible. Like I I feel that. Yeah. As a follow up, a serious question, not a plead the fifth question, but how do you, because obviously you're a man of faith, like how do you reconcile that feeling of empathy for the plaintiff and what they're going through with having to kind of defend the company that caused that issue that they're facing? I think it's a, it's a mission of truth at the end of the day, like what really happened and who's really responsible and how bad are the how significant are the injuries or the damages or the mm-hmm. loss of life? Mm-hmm. And so on both sides, I could do that, you know, yeah. and, and, and seek the, the truth, the truth. Yeah. yeah. And so do, it's your, like, your moral obligations and your legal obligations are not generally at odds because of that viewpoint. Well, no, I mean, I, for me personally, like my faith drives everything I do and mm-hmm. decisions I make and, and though, but there, it's not juxtaposed against, you know, finding out what really happened yeah. In, yeah. in a given case. I mean, and honestly, like that's one of the, my favorite parts of what we do is like you become a detective all of a sudden. Like you're, yeah, you're not investigating. smudging numbers right. to, to get a win, you know, no you're, you're just fact finding. Absolutely. Yeah. And it honestly, it is what it is. And, and frankly, like, like people, even jurors like really, I think resonate with the fact like, it is what it is. Like yeah. they missed a year of work. They were making this amount because of the, you know, arm fracture, leg fracture or amputation. They, they couldn't do it because the 30 years they're going to be in prosthetic. They can't do that kind of work. Like those are the numbers. They speak for themselves. Like, and that's what the truth does. Like it speaks for itself. And that's what we try to just, you know, uncover and show and present effectively. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's Final question. All right. What is a recent argument that you've had with your wife that you won because of your skills as a lawyer? And like you knew it. Like you knew like you knew I could have see her side of it and you'd be like, man, if she said this, she'd really get me. But I know she ain't gonna, <laughs> isn't going to think of that. So yeah. I'm going to keep going down this path. Yeah, great question. Um, I still have the fifth to plead, right? So I can go ahead and plead the fifth on that. Sure can. You could. Um, Would he be the first guest to ever plead the fifth? No. No, I think we had one. No, did we have one? Did we have one recently? Uh-huh. I think actually he yeah. did. Okay. We went okay. low. Um, okay. Did we? I think my other low. question that you guys saw was probably the low low. <laughs> That was insane. I can't believe you. Here, so I'll, I mean, I'll answer this just by saying, like, we really don't have a ton of arguments. Like, just our, That's and I'm not, I'm not being like Mr. You know, Boy Scout or anything, but yeah, like, yeah. we literally, like, we vibe well. And so there are not many moments where I'm like, and even if I did win, like, I'd be losing if I was like, I told you so. On right. A, on yeah. A, I mean, that you, you know should know never I mean? do that. You're already ever. losing. You, you, you're so. viewing your relationship as me versus you, right? It's no, like, no. Yeah. So we're. Lose. 
I mean, we're we're arm in arm on pretty much everything, and we just you know we're managing four kids and and doing the best we can. Like, like what you argue about? We try yeah, that. that <laughs> I think that would probably be you know the most the biggest part of the grind is like you need to be in four different places at once, plus mm-hmm. two full time jobs and leading a you know an organization. All of those things. Like, there's definitely those points of tension where yes. it's like, well, I thought you were going to get it. Oh, I was going to okay, but that's not that didn't really arise to argument. You know, yeah. that's more just like. Blocking and tackling. Yeah. yeah. Trying to figure out what it's <laughs> yeah, like. Sure. Yeah. You know, which that is a daily grind. Like, the, I'll, I'll be real on that. Like, that is, that's not easy. And there's no. definitely friction sometimes where it's like, but we, we, I'm so blessed to have who I have as a, as a partner and spouse. And she's just amazing. She's yeah. much better than I am and, and a much better leader and, and caretaker and all, oh. and all those things. So she's going to join our spouse's podcast. Oh, yeah. Right. Yes. On. Yeah. She, she would absolutely crush it. And she's, you know, I think, I think that's why we don't have a ton of back and forth or arguments is just because, like, we try to put each other's interests above our own self. We f- I fail a lot in that, you know, but but no we try to human. do that best. Yeah, we try to do our best on that. So. Dang it. What else you got? Come on, guys. I mean, well, that's three. Well, now, because now you'll definitely plead the fifth on mine. Well, I know. Well, you said three, but you want to go four? Yeah, we'll go four. Yeah. Go, this go is four an insane question, Lori. You cannot ask Yes, this. you can. You can cut it out. You can do anything you want to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's got to plead the fifth in his pocket. It would have been worse if he pleaded the fifth on that one, and that was question number two, and then I threw this one out. He would still probably. I mean, I still have an ace. But, in I mean, the so here, you right? were talking about like your favorite, like you know, peas, product, people, mm-hmm. process, and you mentioned you have a great team. Yeah, rank them from lowest to highest. My favorites. team, like yeah. my employees. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> your I mean, favorite that's employee easy. To your I'm kidding. Favorite. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's easy to plead the fifth first on that. And last yeah. name. I love them all equally. Um, <laughs> It's like who? What child do you love more? You know yeah. what I mean? Like Depends answer that. That was my next question. Yeah. If you've got four kids, rank them. For right. <laughs> no, I mean they all have different gifts and dynamics. You know, mm-hmm. we've got. Look, we've been blessed to have um, in the first year. We've been we just about celebrated our one year anniversary. Oh, right? congratulations! So, um, we we started with you know x number of cases and and we've multiplied that. We I started with one paralegal and we now have four. Wow, which is amazing in the first year. In a year so yeah. yeah, so we're just continuing to grow and amazing. and try to be faithful to what we've been given and help help and manage. So and we want to continue to grow. That's the yeah. thing. Like we're not done. You so, don't have a worst paralegal. I no, I mean we've had <laughs> look. They have different strengths and weaknesses. We all have our days yeah. and we all have our moments, but I try to be a good boss the best I can and try to like you know, bless them and, and have yeah, patience, yeah. but also like I am demanding excellence of mm, our people as and you should. yeah, and, because they're taking care of my, of my clients. And so, yeah, we've got a good team and a pretty fun dynamic. Y'all are yeah. both invited. You should come see the, you know, the team sometime. Yes. So. Okay. We will. Yeah, absolutely. We'll we're just going to be like, so, hi, we're <laughs> here. <laughs> Where can I set up? Right, now, now who are y'all? And, you know, what, <laughs> yeah. Um, we were we knew, we just bring your legal. t-shirts and you'll you'll immediately be you know fond of Done. So, yes um one thing we didn't get to talk about is the sports stuff like that's a part of the oh, sports practice i would love yes. to tell you guys about that i mean it's, it's, emer- it's emerging so it's it's just kind of getting underway and it's part of your practice yeah so we actually started um a, a very dear friend of mine that has been in sports for a long time has started a company called east coast sports and entertainment mm-hmm. and so it's a it, we could just call it east coast it's just a a company that gives you know representation to actors athletes coaches folks that are you know in the entertainment industry 
And I just became an NFL agent, which that happened about two months ago. So exciting. So I'm officially Good official on that, which is great. But What does it, that mean when you say you, you're, it's official? Does that mean you have an NFL client or are you signed with the NFL? Like, how does that? Yeah, how do you become You take official? a test. You, you take, take a test. test. Uh, you take a test. Is yeah. it specific to the NFL, though? It is. Yeah. Oh, is. does every sport have a test? They do. Yeah. Really? Yes. So like I thought it was just like you were just like a sports agent and then yeah, maybe you paid a fee to be affiliated with yeah. the NFL. So to represent an NFL player, you have to be certified by the NFLPA, which is the governing organization for, you know, the players association for all the NFL players. So you I mean, I had guys three or four binders of just material to read. Collective bargaining agreement and all those things that go into it. But it's I love it. It's so much fun. And it's very similar to what we do is, again, we're trying to serve people and, and help mm-hmm. them achieve their goals. And so I've got a couple of athletes that I've been working with um, and just excited to see where that goes. Very new, like very it may not go anywhere, but but I'm very I'm, I'm going to make sure that it goes somewhere just because you we're going like to work the like type crazy. That would. What so, are you working with them on specifically? Is it just like contract negotiations? Or that's right. It, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's what effectively like the terms, like how long and then mm-hmm. how much, but also other things that are important to them that, you know, represent their interests. And so in every contract, there's their form contracts. Like these are the things that have to be in there um, relative to the NFL specifically, but they're also – you know, other things that are desired by people. Like I would love this in there, that in there and just working with others just to accomplish those goals. That's it. That's it. Is that like you hear like, like musicians will have like things written in their like contracts when they perform like, Oh, I have to have snicker bars and yeah. yeah, Pure life water in my dressing room at all times. Absolutely. That's the things that you're you're I haven't done that one yet, but I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) We'll make sure we get that. A test to make sure people were reading the writer. They weren't like huge. I think it was Aerosmith and they were just like, nobody reads these things. Right. So if, we're going to put this in here because they have to read these things. And if they don't, we're going to make it a thing. I right. yeah. really care about the brown m right. But, like, there's, like, safety things that, like, some people actually might need. That was the Easter egg. They were just hiding in there. You yeah, know, yeah, they, yeah, You found it. You Would you win a prize? Yeah. yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. At least kudos for reading the document. Yeah, you know? right. So as a college athlete, <laughs> are you allowed to represent them before a season is over? No. So college is changing a lot, as you all know, with yeah. the NIL. Um, so name, image, and likeness for players. So they're able to actually use their name and, and mm-hmm. uh, signature, number, all those things that, you know, especially as we live in the South, huge. Yes. Football mm-hmm. so huge. So yep. um, that's, that's a developing area where we can provide representation relative to what those deals Just look that. like. Okay. But the colleges are doing – NCAA is doing a pretty good job on what the contracts have to say and contain and all of those things. So mm-hmm. usually it's kind of like as a family lawyer situation advice, like from a higher level, like how are you, how are you um, addressing those contracts and those deals? But my advice to, to young athletes is much like you know owning your own law firm is you're the CEO of your own career. Like yeah. you're putting together your brand. What do you say on Twitter? What are you saying on, on social media? All of that matters. Be protective with that. Be, mm-hmm. you know, be very mindful of that and wise and how you operate your relationships and all of those things. So um, the NFLPA does not let us represent clients while they're in college. That's forbidden. Okay. And so that that's not a space that, you know, I can go in. But the, once they become eligible or declare for the draft, that's when I can come in, give them advice, that kind of thing. Now, NIL is different. We, okay. You know, it, that's a whole separate body of law with its own rules. But um, and some of it's state state specific, and you got to get into that. I won't bore you with that, but it's very fulfilling to like help somebody not only like realize their potential, yeah, you know, but also, you know, how what am I gonna what's my brand gonna be like? Yeah. What am I gonna look like? How am I gonna project myself? Because everything's social, guys. Like what y'all are doing mm-hmm. right now, like 
it's mm-hmm. all about you know how your appearance is there and and how you're expressing your values through that platform or platforms. Yeah. So helping folks with that is is great too. Do you have a different mentor for that side of things since I do. it's still yeah. so new? Yeah, the guy I work with now. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. He have... hasn't given me any bad advice. Okay, ever. <laughs> like he's he's the best. No, yeah. literally, like he he's a man that that was operated in this space for like three decades. Okay. Oh wow. And then I conveyed interest. You know. Providence aligned and, you know, mm-hmm. we were able to intersect in our past crawl. So that was a huge blessing. Have but, you heard, I know, cause it's, it's still relatively new for you. Have you heard of teams looking at a player's social media and being like, they were super interested and then they saw something and they were like, me, that's a liability. For there's an brand. algorithm for all of it. There really is like, and you, you hear, do y'all know who Joe Burrow is? Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. So LSU, right? Uh, yeah. Outstanding. My okay. name is Laura, and I do not like sports. I'm sorry. I don't okay. know why my husband married me. <laughs> not the Browns anymore. It's, 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 I know. It's not Bengals. mandatory to human Excuse existence. Bengals? It's just a part of. It's a big part <laughs> yeah. of it. You know. Bengals. Um, so he's a Bengals quarterback. So anyway, the either the GM, or the owner, they're talking about the recruiting process and mm-hmm. drafting and all the files that they have, and they harken back to like this narrative of when Joe Burrow was, you know, just young in basketball, and they were the team was down by eight, and there was like you know. 50 seconds to go and he led his team back to a win and he the kid was in elementary school and so but he just had a killer mindset he was an assassin and they they were reviewing that and analyzing that as a part of you know who he was so i'm just saying it all matters it does it really especially if you want to be an athlete and and so that's I would say to any athlete, like, I feel like it all matters. You they need to be talking to, to like a younger athlete, especially like that are growing up now where social media is yes. everywhere. Like oh, when yeah. I grew up, like it wasn't, you still needed like a college email to get on Facebook, yeah. right. <laughs> you know, like yeah. not that long ago. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, you think about all these kids now and social media is everywhere and just, especially the ones who are showing promise in, you know, the athletics, coaching them on, hey, maybe you want to think twice. Mm-hmm. Before you post that on Instagram oh. or comment that on someone, one of, uh, Great one point. of our, our coworkers, her, her younger brother is like, you know, trying to go pro, and he's like 15 and already has people like, you know, monitoring his social media and stuff. And it's like, this is a 15 year old. Mm-hmm. You got to let him post cringy stuff on the internet. Like, he's 15. No. He's supposed to do. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Yeah. Such know. a weird, like, age difference. Cause I'm like, no, I was very lucky to grow up when, <laughs> when I definitely, there's, very little proof of there's no file yeah, yeah there's yeah, yeah my yeah Laura. my files probably starts at my more cringier years but i was yeah. an adult <laughs> you now, know my, you know when i turned like 15 i think facebook was like really hit it so for me everything fell off before that so you won't see any anything from you know, like zang is gone right like yeah i yeah. know that i'm like i had a myspace yeah. Yeah. and then and then i was in college when i got facebook mm-hmm. you know Same. and then that was that was it mm-hmm. you know it's crazy there's not a lot out there <laughs> we're gonna have to have you back on sometime let's do it once the yeah, sports the side of things stuff. is like really kicking off so we can Absolutely. get some of your good stories there too. I would love that. Yeah. Would you be able to like, or does it depend? Like, so if you pick up and you're representing a player, are you like allowed to say who do they I are? represent? Their name? Yes. Joe so it's Burrow? different than on right, the other side. Um, but not Joe Burrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'll, absolutely. I'll be glad to tell you guys more about cool. that. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be yeah. cool. Yeah, because then absolutely. we can ask all sorts of questions. Yeah. Absolutely. And 
I'll, yeah. I'll have a chance to it Google is, them. It's so different, you know? It is. It's different. There's similarities, but it is different. Yeah, it's a different space and rules and all those things. Yeah. But it's just trying to master those things. But yeah, we're going to have to have a part two. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yes, oh, tune in, two. everyone. <laughs> I'm yeah. here for that. Well, thank you very much for thank coming up and joining us on this week's episode of the Opening Statements Podcast. Yes, this was a blast. So for all of our faithful fans, you guys can check us out at HyperChat Social. We're on all the social media channels. Not MySpace. <laughs> um, <laughs> or Zanga. Or Zanga. <laughs> Hate to break it to you. Those are gone. Um, and remember, you know, please give us a five-star review everywhere you're listening to us right now. And maybe if you're not, download it and five-star us there. Um, <laughs> we will catch you next time. Case, Case closed. closed.